So we built with exactly this logic in mind, our tokenomics, we're introducing something we call the chest. And the idea is that all of the protocol revenue I have to begin with is going to be redistributed to the user to be reused in our, in our, all of our dApps. So you can think of it as a discount or as a free access to our dApps if you have locked with your governance token. The reason we're doing that is that on a broader view, we're going to be able to service and give access to all of the influence in crypto. So it can be voting power, it can be gauge power, it can be attention, it's going to be different things, okay? And so by holding locked HPAL, our locked governance token, you basically hold access to influence. So it's crystallized influence, and that's something very unique that we're trying to take with our token. And I think it can be very powerful because if you are a governor, or at least someone who participates in governance on a regular basis, your interest is going to be locked in our protocol simply to get easier access to the resources you use. Welcome to Mission DeFi with Brad Nickel, where we explore projects in decentralized finance that are innovating and driving our mission of financial freedom forward. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review Mission DeFi and spread the word by posting a tweet to the show. All opinions expressed by Brad Nickel or his guests are their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Black Knox, Material Indicators, or any other affiliated organizations. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Brad Nickel or his guests as an inducement to make a particular investment, follow a particular strategy, or become involved with any project. A project being featured on the show is not an endorsement of that project in any way. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Now, here's Mission DeFi with Brad Nickel. All right, I am excited today to have Fig and Alejandro from Paladin Protocol with me. These guys have a really interesting model for leveraging all of governance in the ecosystem. So guys, welcome aboard. If you could first introduce yourselves and then tell us your background and then how you ended up in this crazy world. Fig, you want to go first? Yep, for sure. So I'm one of the co-founders of, to give more background before being full-time into crypto, I used to be a banking lawyer. I don't know what I can say except of that because uh, the more time we spend on that, the more we identify to the protocol. That's got to be like unbelievably good insights for you. I, I do think it's, uh, it helps us building a safer protocol overall for everyone inside of the DAO, which That's is cool. the goal of it. That's awesome. So you were a banking lawyer and then how did you make, how'd you cross the chasm into, into this world? Because I was always around crypto a bit, uh, like all of you guys looking at the prices going up and down. And a few years ago, I had the pleasure of, uh, the, of discovering uh, other project, which was called Lent at the time. And they were talking about something that was coming, that was called DeFi, that it was going to be amazing. And, uh, I thought the same thing at the time. I was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense coming from someone that's in finance. 
uh, there's a lot of things that can change and we have the potential to change them this way. So what we did is that we tried a few ideas during hackathons and we ended up having something that resonated a lot with what we wanted to do, which was building around vote lending and around democratizing activism. So what we're trying to do at Paladin at Heart is allow more people to participate in financial activism, the same way that you have a lot of companies, they want people to own uh, assets, control assets, you have governance tokens, but even stocks, right? Right. People are only using them for the speculative premium. There's another side to it, which is the governance premium. The part that, that you have by basically enabling people to govern between dumps of the protocols. And there's one layer on top, which we haven't started working on, but I think that's really important, is that also we actually are able to value in, uh, the, this governance premium and to empower the people around them. We have a way to coordinate them because crypto was made to scale trustlessness and coordination. So the goal, the long-term goal is to enable minority holder coordination with what we're doing at Pallid. But right now, we're at phase one, which is vote lending. All right. All right. All right, Alejandro, tell us your background. Sure. So I'm the head of communications at Paladin. And before I got into, let's rewind even further than Paladin. So before Paladin, before the craziness of crypto, I was actually in the political world. I used to work in Tallahassee and also Washington. I come from like the political side of things of voting, not the financial, but the, the public aspect. So immediately when I saw decentralized governance, I'm like, oh, this looks really interesting because I was just thinking, didn't think of the, of the utility behind crypto besides speculation and, and the really the voting aspect uh, past certain issues like coin splits or coin forks. So this actually really interested me, got to know the team and here I am. And the still, this is a, a very rough description going off of what Figus said, a very rough description of what we are doing in terms of financial voting. But this is how I, one of the elevator pitches I have in public is, for example, be like me and join a conference call or quarterly call with, uh, let's say, Tesla Motors, and you have a handful of shares, right? In reality, you are, of course, a stockholder, but do they really care that you have five or six or seven shares? No, they don't. Nope. Um, at least in what we're doing in governance, we can at least quantifiably measure the 0.00% of your effect in voting or doing that the same with companies. So you can see the connection there and how it's able to be measurable, not just a symbolic gesture. So again, that's uh, kind of a very high level uh, view, but in one one thing they were working on. Nice. Another interesting coincidence with the two of us is I started my career off managing political campaigns. So that's it's nuts. It's crazy. All right, so let's do this. Let's, can you guys tell me, so I have a general understanding of the goal of this thing is to incentivize or increase the power of activism as it relates to governance, as it relates to protocols. But can you guys give me the background on what was the thing that created this idea? Was it just one moment? Was it a progression of things? How did you guys come about saying, oh, this is something that we need in the space? Was it looking at other protocols? What, what exactly made this happen? It's definitely a process in right. the sense that it's quite obvious governance is important, especially in crypto because we're empowering governance holders much more than we are with stockholders. There are much more things that you can do. You can modify parameters, enable partnerships, control the mission, control the treasury, and I'm just saying the obvious ones. And the second thing is that instead of having one annual shareholder meeting, you can basically put up a vote anytime. 
So that's super powerful. And you can do every, everything that I just mentioned anonymously in the internet on a global scale super quickly. So it, it's pretty crazy. It's corporate governance, but on steroids. So just this fact is insane. And then you can add to the fact that there's almost no one cares right now. 95% of the people don't actually turn on to vote, yep. uh, which was pretty crazy. So we thought, how do we build GovTech on crypto or even in if people do, we have to find something that one, uh, corresponds more to the actual ecosystem. And two, we actually have to stop enabling people to care. So how do we show them it's valuable? We basically crystallize the value of the governance premium. So that's what we're trying to do with vote lending. And vote lending is interesting because if a lot of people are not participating, it means a lot of people are actually uh, ready to sell their assets. They're at least they're going, sorry, their governance power. And on the other side, you have a very small number of people who want to push ahead, who want to contribute to the DAOs, want to try to make things work. And what we're seeing is that I don't have exact statistics. A good number of proposals don't even reach core. Yeah. Simply pure disinterest, which is a really big problem. So the idea of vote planning was to start to be the seed of a solution. And that solution is the broad vision we have at Paladin. So the first thing is vote lending. And after that, you guys are going to add to kind of things to strengthen governance and incentivize governance. But, okay, let's walk through what you mean by vote lending. Let's, you know, I own a thousand tokens of Project Brad governance tokens. What if I was part of the Paladin ecosystem, what could I do with that? Or what will that be? What will that enable for me? So if you own governance tokens, then you can either vote provide liquidity, or you can deposit them into Paladin. What Paladin does is that if you already have yield rewards because it's a yield-bearing token that has governance, like stake Avid, we're going to also compound the rewards for you. So just depositing is already a plus for you. And then on top, what we're going to do is that we're going to sell your vote. So it goes into a vault. And when people want to buy a vote, we basically sell the delegation mandate. So it's not like a traditional lending protocol that sells the asset. We only sell the right to vote. So it means the person cannot take away the token and never pay you back. <laughs> you can't, there is no liquidation or counterparty risk, which is very different from a liquid because it's only the vote. So you can remove the delegation at any time through the, the smart contract level. There is no risk. So what happens is that the person just pays and he buys your delegation on a very high level. That's what happens. How long is this a period of time that it's bought for a single yep. vote that it's bought for? No, it's per period of time. So we've been building the product, the product by trying to minimize as much as possible a governance attacks, because of course, uh, sure. enabling vote lending can become a vote, a vector of attack. So what we did is that first of all, you don't buy per vote, but you buy per period. So you actually have to become responsible about how much time you want to vote. So it can be a strategy because instead of buying for a vote, you're buying to create an offensive or a defensive position for a certain time. Got it. And on the other side, uh, the really important thing about that is that it creates innate mechanics, which can basically push out bad actors. I'll give you an example. If someone, because the interest rates are dynamic, depending on the utilization of the pool, if someone tries to borrow to do something bad, all the, all the users can reach quit out of the pool and it's going to skyrocket the utilization rate of the pool. And it's basically going to drastically reduce the time in which the, the, the time of the low duration. So you can't oh, push very interesting. No, that's very cool. Okay. So we have a scenario where users can essentially deposit their delegation rights to this. You guys deposit it in a vault and then people can buy them or borrow them for a period of time. They then execute what they wanted to execute from a voting perspective on particular proposals or 
get the rights to actually submit proposals and then have those voted on by a protocol. And in the meantime, as a user, what am I gaining by delegating my vote that are attributed to my tokens to your protocol? Well, you're earning money because you're right. revenue out of that. So you're getting sure. the interest rates. So you're, you're basically selling the votes you're not using. Uh, you can think of it as a way to manage more efficiently your resources because you can actually lend out your votes when you don't care about the vote and take it out and vote yourself when you care about it. Something nice. important is that every single of this has to be done before the vote is put on chain, before the snapshot. Otherwise, okay. it's too late. I got it. So the votes have to be delegated already prior to somebody putting up a proposal for vote. Exactly. Because what happens to but you could game it otherwise. Yeah, that's the thing. Because what happens is that when a vote is taken, there's a photo that's taken of all the holders, and these are the ones who are allowed to vote. It's called a snapshot. Sure, sure. Makes sense. And then from a technology perspective, I'm assuming there are only certain protocols you guys are working with initially out of the gate, because it sounds like there's probably a good degree of work dealing with that. Is this something where you're integrating with specific protocols and how their tokens work? And also you're integrating with, in some ways, is, do you have to do an integration with Snapshot or is it just being able to delegate those voting rights to people and you guys have a mechanism you've built to fit almost any model? So you just, there's just a module that you need to add to enable delegation on Snapshot. So right now we work on Govern Bravo, which is Compound and Uniswap. Okay. And on the Aave model and on Snapshot. Nice. And basically any model that has delegation, we can very quickly adapt to it. Awesome. So anybody that has delegation can work with, uh, connect with, or Paladin can work with. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's great. Do you see this as something that protocols will use in order to try to get to uh, quorum when they think something's important for a vote? Oh, so, yeah. That's literally our client base. It's DAOs and protocols that are, that are basically trying to not gaining right, the right attention or sometimes don't have the ally. We've seen these where some uh, protocols get shut down because one of the VCs of their competitors also has a big position in this protocol. This has happened. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's brilliant because this returns the, if you've got a, if you've got the standard lag in participation, this allows the founders and the folks who actually created this thing to steer the project in the right direction. And also while the, those that have the tokens are actually still getting rewarded for participating, but also allows them to take back power from VCs that may be killing everything that happens. Yep. That's fantastic. Okay. So the lending thing that's live now, you, people are able to utilize it. People are able to stake and participate. Yes, there's been, it's been live since September. Yes. Nice. When did you guys start the project? December 2020, January oh, wow. 2021. Wow. That's when we started with the hackathon. Actually, I was working on a similar concept, like even up to October or November 2020. Uh, we had started coding in January. Then uh, we worked on the building the full vision of the product and building a testnet until the summer of 2021. I spent all the summer preparing mainnet, released end of September, early October, the mainnet. And then we did the second app, which is an iteration of what I just described. But for Curve and for Boost Markets, most notably, we released it one month and a half ago, which is called Warden. Wow. Okay. Now that's a, that's a pretty long haul in DeFi, but ha have things changed in the protocols or how things function that has have made you guys have to shift gears a little bit on development or has it been pretty steady in terms of the delegation integration with Snapshot and that kind of thing? No, I don't think changed. Good. Crypto changes this very quickly. First of all, governance was not as prominent as it was today. There was not such a thing as the current wars. The, right. No one 
the, the turnout was even lower. There was no such a trend as DAO tooling. There, crypto was not actually that, it was big, but it wasn't as big as it is today. It changed. So I'll give it to you this way. I think that when we started working on Palin, there was maybe four times less TVL than there are currently on Ethereum, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. 2020, if you looked at a DAP index, you, it was pretty much a ghost town. So you guys were really early ahead of the curve on something that you saw that might happen uh, across the protocol. That to me is really interesting that you guys were building and betting on something that would actually end up being gigantic. It's, it, it, it drives everything that's happening in this space right now. Absolutely. And the fact that I keep on hearing all the, since we're on Ethereum, the fact that I keep on hearing about the merge and reading stories about that, it, it just adds to, I'm very bullish. It just adds to not just the <laughs> but just the whole entire system in general. And uh, sure. it, we, I, don't, I think we're still in the first innings. So no, absolutely. Look, I think what it does is it positions you all very well for the future. I, my personal belief is that DAO governance and this type of governance that's being spearheaded in crypto is actually going to permeate the entire world. And I think that most organizations will be forced by just public participation to, to implement these kinds of things. Now, I don't think everything's going to change, but I definitely think we're going to go far beyond just financial applications. And I, I think there'd be lots of opportunities. That's great. Okay. I yeah. I just wanted to, to bounce back very quickly. I totally agree with you. And even more than that, I think that especially around governance, everything we're today building around for DeFi is going to be rec replicable, for example, for corporate governance in the stock market. Yeah. Uh, I just. Look, there's already been tokenized security, so it's just a natural next step. And, and then your business model gets, at least in this first iteration, gets really interesting, right? Now, if you've got, if you've got the corporate world dealing with actual, the horrible participation levels of proxy voting, even in stocks right now, if you've got the corporate world, then Paladin is the center of kind of those, the vote controlling the lending that becomes a really powerful model. That's tremendous. Just an, a small uptick in the DeFi adoption utilizing you guys could be tremendous, but when that moves over, it's, it's really interesting, I think. Yeah, that's promising. All right, so phase one is lending. You guys are up and running. How are people reacting to it? This is not, I was concerned this was gonna be a really complex topic, but this is actually a pretty simple thing for people to get. So have you been able, are you at the stage now where you're really trying to build community and involvement and engagement from people in your own protocol? And where have you guys gotten in terms of adoption so far? I'll take that. Absolutely. And so I can speak to, at least from when I was, uh, came on with the team in September, uh, mid-September. And uh, yeah, back then our Discord and our Twitter followers were roughly around, let's say 300, 400. It was a matter of just growing the community, growing the trust, most important, the trust with the, the users. So we have been doing these monthly community calls. We're now implementing bi-weekly contributor calls. So I speak with them on Discord on a daily basis, now with bounties. Uh, so it's just a matter of engagement, putting out content, the whole entire team answers. We always have moderators now. We have, for example, one of our moderators in the Philippines. So we always have someone taking care of questions 24 seven, because it's basically nighttime over there. And, uh, but that's been crucial. We, as much. And I was speaking, you know, for myself, as much as we want to have this seismic change, not only in corporate governance, but also making you, you know, really happy to see in the public uh, world, which, you know, 
patients. It, the reality is we are aiming towards the DeFi, how should I say it? The DeFi, the DGENs, if you will. Those, that's our main bread and butter audience. Those are the, the people that we're still aiming for. And those are the ones that, of course, we have already found diehard governance, governors, so to speak, that have already been participating in our discourse forums and also participating in our snapshots. So it's piece by piece from the core up until this level of, okay, where's this critical mass? And in some ways, we've already, we're already on the path to experiencing it. Nice. Very nice. What is the kind of, what is the next phase of this? It seems like there are multiple layers that you guys are going to be building on top of this. Are they all really, everything is related to this governance model and voting, or is it also related to other aspects of governance and DAOs? What's next the, for your protocol? The, Let's just make it. The simple. next right now is finishing vote landing in the sense that we want to create a full stack platform of vote landing for Curve. So Curve today is our governance proposal, boosting power and gauge. Today we're only boosting, doing boosting power. So we want to finish perfecting the platform because we think there's a huge trend coming around B-Token. And what it used to be theoretical a few months, it's becoming pretty obvious right now with all of the big projects that are thinking about locking back ends up. And we're one of them, not big projects, but thinking about locking. Right. And so that's the first thing. For a bit of information right now, we have a, a bit over $10 million TL on Paladin, we, especially with the Aave tokens that right. we're uh, managing. And on uh, Warden, we have shy, I think just shy of 5 million, which is roughly 10 or 15 million dollars to be two on the second half, which are both governed by the council. After that, we want to focus more on giving a better experience to contributors and to delegates in general in the ecosystem. So I'm going to stop at that, but that's the next stop that we want to do because we think that now that we enabled easier access to governance power, we have to bring better understanding to the way it works. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. Okay. Are you all going to stay on Ethereum mainnet for now? Do you have plans to move to other chains, other layers or chains? We can. We have been studying it. We haven't uh, set on anything simply because until very recently, and you talked about uh, is governance evolving, there was almost no governance activity outside of Ethereum. Now, sure. this is very wrong. There's a lot of protocol that have been buzzing with activity. So the question is, how do we capitalize from it? Yeah, I, 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 it seems like probably the, one of the paths is those that have copied the curve model. So on phantom, you have a lot of that going on, right? You've got spirit swap, you've got solidly, you've got all of those things that are happening. So that's where my head was going. Is that kind of the next path for you is just to pick out the, the things that you're already playing with that have similar models. I would argue that for example, what's working for gauges, which is what they what so a lot of people call bribes, which is a term we try to avoid. And because you have a political background, I'm sure you're going to be uh, very aware of what we try to the, avoid. The politics and the banking attorney. I can see why, yeah, it, I see why we're avoiding the bribe term. <laughs> but in general, it's not because you created a system with bribes, with gauge access and bank lending that people are going to use them. So we're being very careful about looking who actually has the interest of the community and who is basically creating governance war. Who has a conflictual governance? Because when there's conflict, there's value. If you don't have that on a regular basis, there is no way it's interesting for us to build the platform. So we're being very picky and selective simply because even on the biggest protocol, we see we need time for the deposits to come in and we need even time and a lot of work for the loans to come in. So now it's finally starting to work on Paladin. We did $10,000 of revenue last month. We're aiming 100,000 this month and it's just gonna keep going. I, I think that's a smart approach. As you journey forth, you build slowly, not too slowly, but that you are building logically, smartly, 
analytically with what the part, the projects that you partner with. Oh, it's just dawned on me. You guys are essentially have two, you're really almost a two-sided um, marketplace where you have two channels of customers, right? So you're like a B2B play on the protocol side, which we talked about earlier. And then of course you want community members from these protocols involved. And then on the third leg are, you want people to actually be involved in Paladin and actually whether or not they have a governance token on another project that you've partnered with. So actually you have three legs here. I would assume that part of the strategy is that, that these governance token holders become PAL fans because they're participating in your protocol and it makes complete sense that they would then potentially become community members for you. So we built with exactly this logic in mind our tokenomics. We're introducing something we call the chest. And the idea is that all of the protocol revenue I have to begin with is going to be redistributed to the user to be reused in our, in our, all of our dApps. So you can think of it as a discount or as a free access to our dApps if you have locked with your governance token. The reason we're doing that is that on a broader view, we're going to be able to service and give access to all of the influence in crypto. So it can be voting power, it can be gauge power, it can be attention, it's going to be different things, okay? And so by holding locked HPAL, our locked governance token, you basically hold access to influence. Nice. So it's crystallized influence, and that's something very unique that we're trying to take with our token. And I think it can be very powerful because if you are a governor or at least someone who participates in governance on a regular basis, your interest is going to be locked in our protocol simply to get easier access to the resources you use on the month. Let's quickly talk about, you mentioned Warden er earlier. Can you quickly run through what Warden is? Because I don't think we actually broke it down. Just if you could quickly tell people what that is. And then I'd like to get into the PAL tokenomics. So I'll say about Warden is that definitely, Brian, you're talking earlier about, for example, reacting to outside forces. The Warden was definitely influenced by the CRB Wars Act. It's there to capture the CRB. So basically is a marketplace for people to create, buy and sell their V-boost. Basically, of course, you have CRV. There have been people asking, hey, CRV's locked for four years. What can I do with it? And there we go. There's the, op the opportunity to create boosts out of it. And so people are able to buy and sell. And as Figa said, we have uh, quite an amount locked. And so we're uh, looking to build upon that and of course, integrate that uh, into the overall Paladin system. Nice, very nice. All right, let's talk about the PAL tokenomics, right? So uh, I'm looking at the documents you guys shared with me. There's just the token itself, which is really, I buy it because I think you guys are gonna make big money and everyone's gonna want a PAL token and I'm speculating on it. And I hope it goes up in value. I assume that's a base layer. And then tier two is HPAL, where I like this name, Holy Pal. That's awesome. And that's you're calling the contributor layer. Can you briefly explain what that means and how I convert my pal into HPAL or Holy Pal? Yep. So basically, the pal and the token is a token that's being used as for speculation, right? So that is, and we realize this, that we're saying, wait a minute, we don't want to, of course, have a token go live when it does go live and have people just speculate on the token, buy and sell the regular crash. And we're saying, how do we separate the speculators, which is the obvious reality. I even speculate on coins too, who doesn't, right? To separate that from the actual governors, the people that want to be involved in governance. So this is why I was talking about chess and this is why we've been developing HPAL 
and the benefits that go along with it. It's, it's a layer system that we have talked about a lot in the past few months. We have a whole entire tokenomics article coming out on it tomorrow. And of course we're going to be covering next week, but essentially it's allowing it's, we're looking to incentivize governors financially through that aspect. So not to only govern and be more active, but carry in the stick of saying, Hey, this is the reason why you want to own this H pal, but it's building a wall between the paladin and the H pal, which is very important. So that one does not affect the other. Okay. So the idea is I can stake and essentially lock my tokens and earn from that, which also gives me, I think it's one-to-one -one voting power on that level. And I can remove it at any time, but there's basically a 10 day cooling off period to, for having, for removing from it and no longer having that power. Am I correct in, in that? Yeah. So the idea is that we wanted to service all of the uh, stakeholders around the protocol. So the speculators, which are the most present from today, sure. the spectators or small time contributors and the long time contributors and the governors. So the people who participate in governance. So the way we did is like, the more you align with us, the more you resonate with what we do, the more you have to align on the longer, longer term. So sure. the speculators who are just here, that's totally okay. And we're going to try to quote unquote benefit from their activity because Paladin is going to become the main market maker by becoming the, the biggest LP of its own token. That's the reason why we're doing the LBP. It's not to fundraise anything for the team. And the idea is that almost all of the trading fees will go back to the DAO. So that's another revenue source that we can again redistribute for people to keep using our protocol and keep participating in governance more than that. That's the first layer. And so the, the, all the other layers were built uh, to give more value and achieving to people who actually want to participate in the protocol. So do you just to govern and participate, you want to look at and understand how the protocol is, can stake it. You only have a 10 day school down behind it and can just start participating, start understanding. Now you see the value in crystallized influence. You want to get more admission because we're actually going to reward people who stake in lock. You can lock in six months to two years. And that's the idea. And what's really powerful is that the more people lock, the more they basically aligning with us and the more it's basically allowing us to gain traction. So the idea is to create positive feedback loops all around between people who are interested in purely speculating, people who want to participate and people who want to totally align with us. Very nice. So make sure that everyone listening understands tier one pal is the speculative layer tier two H pal, holy pal. That's the. You can lock up with a 10 day cool off period, but you get governance capability in your earning. And then the locked for HPAL, six months to two years, and it gives you extended voting power up to 1.5 X the chest. If the lock is over a year and a higher emission bonus and the fee switch, correct? So those are the three kind of main levels of participation with the PAL tokenomics. Yep. And. Is PAL available today or are you guys launching that shortly, I believe? So we're doing an LBP starting Monday on the 21st of March. And after that, the token will be transferable and open on the market. Right now, a few people have a bit of token. It's less than 2% of the circulating supply. And it is because we wanted to reward contributors, but the token is non-transferable. So there is no price on it. The idea of the LBP huh? is that it's going to allow the market to do a healthy and fair price discovery. Very nice. And then the last thing is, can you guys, we talked briefly about the chest, but can we walk through that one more time? I want to make sure people understand what the chest is and how it functions. And that's what's available to lock the tier three, the locked HPAL holders, correct? So once you reach the critical mass of the locked HPAL, you unlock the chest and 
as Fio was mentioned earlier, there is uh, basically in that matter, you have a whole bulwark of influence that's in the chest that allows governors in the space basically to put, put the influence of voting on steroids. It's a very powerful tool that we're losing to initiate people that it's like a level up system where if people are going to grind, they get the reward at the end. So in this case, it is the chest is allowing people to use influence in the certain uh, protocols and voting aspect that is a lot more powerful than just even the loans that we're doing on the pals of lending right now, but it takes a lot more work, obviously. Got it. So you want people to long-term commit because the amount of work and the power that it enables people to provide influence within the system. Yes. Yeah. And this is, again, it's, it's a whole entire point of separating as we've gone over between the speculators and the people that want to be with us because it's hard enough as it is to find the people that are interested in governance, not just in DeFi, but, oh man, I'm about to tell you, Brad, just in the regular political world, yeah. it's hard enough finding people that want to vote, that want to get out and grassroots. So if you can separate those speculators from the people that really care, plus incentivize them and also pay them a worth of while through incentives mechanism, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. It's a new way to play a system. And I honestly keep on dreaming, thinking about how this could work, not only in corporate governance, but also in the public field as well. Absolutely. No, I think there's a lot of potential here for you guys to create a, I don't want to use the term weapon, but a, a tool that is, could change a lot of different uh, ways that, that the world is governed. As you've been out talking to protocols about this, kind of what has been the response? Do they immediately say, oh, wow, okay, I get this. Yeah, we need this. I've needed this five times in the last six months. It has been changing a lot. When we started talking about this, a lot of people actually absolutely didn't see what we we're doing and just thought we were building like some kind of a weird middle tag that was just going to push for corruption. The more time has been passing, the more we're actually seeing the need. You know why? Because people are starting to participate in governance and they're actually realizing it doesn't work. Yeah. It's as simple as that. So yeah. the more people start participating, the more, oh, wow, we need solutions. And the more what we do makes sense. And on another topic, the more time passes and the more our protocol is not used for governance attacks. And we can prove that it cannot be used for vectors of attack, the more credibility we get. So it's also like we understand that it's especially similar to real startups, right? Usually you start functioning after two, three, four, five, six, seven years. It doesn't just go like this. And crypto, we had a lot of projects that grew up very early, very quickly. And they grew up to much more than uh, what the team had in mind in terms of roadmap. And now a lot of projects are building just with the idea of growing up. Mm -hmm. The truth is that if you want to build something that is truly new, and this is something we're clearly doing and we have been striving to do, it's complicated and takes time. Ave and Compound took something both two years to take off. Yep. And now when you look at it, it's like obvious. Oh, I can just create a lending protocol and get $100 million of liquidity because I'm doing it to do liquidity mining. It was not that obvious two or three years ago. No. So this is why we are totally okay. And today, just the sheer fact that we're seeing our stake have a pool growing between 10 and 30% a week, it's crazy. It shows that we have done something. Yeah, that's incredible. Especially since you haven't, like, you haven't done a major marketing push yet. You haven't really been as out there to the world yet. So if you're having that kind of growth, imagine once people understand what you're doing and how you're doing it. And look, I think philosophically, your approach is the right way at the right time. Right. We always cycle into these bear cycles and everyone gets grown up and acts like starts trying to act like an adult. You're actually building and forming this thing. Obviously you started before this bear cycle, but 
you're actually really taking kind of the, the bigger steps now of launching and getting full out into market share. At the same time, people are number one, are understanding the difficulties with DAO governance and participation. And number two, are saying, you know what, we need to actually build something that provides long-term value, something that provides value back to people that are participating and provides value into the ecosystem. And I think that's a real differentiator for you all is that it is about that. It's about um, building something that benefits the entire ecosystem, but also building something in a smart, um, strategic way. So I think that makes a ton of sense. 100%. Uh, we'll we strive for transparency, but again, we're not trying to you know run before we can walk. Every single bit of information uh, project that we approach, even my contributor asked me like, Hey, you guys have everything planned out for the LBP. What's going on? It goes, oh no, we have calendars. We have notes. We have calls. We have everything. We're always making sure that we move. We don't stall, but we keep on moving, but that everything is planned because I've seen other protocols and read stories about other protocols that are just doing everything by the seat of their pants. And so we're, we're just basically making sure that we have all of our bases covered while also seeing what the problems or issues that need to be tackled in governance are. Yeah. Now, look, I've never seen a team as buttoned up as you guys and just providing information for me. That to me was highly impressive. Having a brand kit, I nearly fell out of my chair. It's amazing to see coming from the startup and tech world where some of these things are basic so that, that everybody does. Here in DeFi, it's not so much. So that's awesome to see. The LBP starts on March 21st. How do people go about participating? Where do they go? What do they do? How do they get involved? It's going to start at noon European time, CET. Okay. Which is a bit uh, early for the US, but bear with me. And it's going to be on Prime Launch. Okay. Which is uh, an interface and uh, a launch pad on top of Balancer. So it's on top of the liquidity bootstrapping pool that's built on Balancer. Very nice. So the way it works is that it's a Dutch auction. So it starts at a high price. And the idea is that the price goes down as no one buys it. And the idea is that people start buying it when they find the price they're comfortable with. Yeah. And the, so basically, and when they start buying, the price stops falling, right? Yeah. And the idea is to basically let your token fall and then it should take five. It's here. It could totally fall. But hopefully not. Hopefully not. Plus we know we have a big community. We have over 2,500 people on our Discord. Who are actively looking and who are excited about this movement. We have a lot of uh, private investors who have been looking at the product and believe it has strong fundamentals. I'm not one to judge. I am very biased. But the idea is that we, unlike a lot of protocols that have been doing LBPs or that have been uh, doing similar systems, we're not coming with a roadmap. We're coming with two live product with over $25 million of governance token or under our belt with actual revenue that's starting to prove out with the community. So we're doing this very differently because we're not doing this to raise capital. Full disclosure, we raised a private uh, round beforehand. The reason why we're doing it is simply because we think it can help us bootstrap the DAO and help it create a sustainable revenue model. It makes complete sense. And from a, from a bet perspective, uh, a protocol that has a functioning product is, isn't always a welcome thing to see as especially one that has revenue and a team in place that's uh, professional. And I love the doc auction model. I, I think it's one of the best models for getting to fair pricing of a token instead of some kind of arbitrary number that the team assigns to it. It makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's also a lot of fun for the people playing along at home that, that are trying to figure out when to jump in. So I think it's a great way to create interest. That's excellent. 
Anything else we should know about what's coming in the future for Paladin besides kind of the, hey, we want to change governance thing you gave me earlier? Yes, perfect segue. I want to plug in that we're holding a Prime DAO or Prime Launch, a co-hosting a Twitter space with them this Friday, 12 noon U.S. time. I believe that's 5 p.m. in France, CET. Uh, you can find the information at, at Paladin underscore vote on Twitter or at, I believe it's Prime E2D on Twitter as well, but you can find us at Paladin underscore vote. And uh, we can also, of course, hop on our Discord, which is in, is in the bio, and we can share you the information for our Twitter space. More information is going to be revealed on how exactly to participate in the LBP when it goes live on Monday. It's going to be 72 hours of fun. You, you don't want to miss it. That's great. How many people on your team? Right now? Yes. We're nine, right? Nine. Yeah, we're nine. So it's mostly engineers, I'll be honest. That's almost the way. Yeah, we're six, six, uh, six uh, devs and three non-technical people, one in design and myself in business development and Alejandro in communications. I was going to say, you're, so you're on the biz dev side, Alejandro's on communications and then the rest are primarily devs. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'll be more honest, Brad, I'm on the everything side. You wouldn't be the, of course you are, but are you actually writing? No, no. Okay. I'm forbidding of writing code. I have met a few attorneys in my life that became coders, so it wouldn't totally surprise me. Mm -hmm. There is a really good uh, DAO. There are a few of them, uh, which is called LexDAO. That's oh, actually they're awesome. That. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome. Which is, yeah, that's a lot of power in attorney's hands. But no, they're, they're creating absolutely amazing platform and products over there. I'm so impressed with that group. They're yeah, fantastic. There's a few small DAOs like this that people are sleeping on and don't realize the high quality of them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So is there anything else I should know about Paladin before I get into my last question that I ask everybody on the show? Hmm. about what's coming, about, I don't know, anything. If not, we'll move I'm, straight into the question. There is something interesting I think could very quickly mention is that we have made politics and sports very interesting for the normal, for everyone, because we built narratives around it. And we have never built these narratives around corporate governance because there, there was no incentives for people in these circles to actually do it. I think there is a world because the stakeholders are much more distributed, especially in crypto, well, we're going to have to create these narratives that, and we're going to create what is called the governance game. And that's something we're really interested in slowly building out because we think there's a huge incentive in making all of this decision-making process fun and interesting because we're talking more and more about these companies controlling the world, but the truth is that most of these companies are public companies and we could all be stakeholders very easily, just flip out your phone and buy a stock on Robinhood. And uh, we could all say no, and we're not doing it today. That That is intriguing. That's, you, you're, it's really not fair of you to leave me hanging like that. Because <laughs> now I'm going off in 500 different directions on what that means. But I love what that's making me think of that means. Because theoretically, you don't have to have permission to implement something similar to what you were just talking about and, and the model that you guys have to have an impact on what's already happening in the public corporation world. That's, uh, that's very interesting. You'll piss a lot of people off, but that could be very fun. Disruption is yeah. how it works, right? Yeah. yeah. When you change things, you have to piss a lot of people off. That's absolutely true. I'm very excited about that. I'm, I'm already excited. Look, I think, I think you're addressing huge problem in the space, huge problem in all of governance, whether it's here or it's outside of there. I think it makes, they make it, it makes a ton of sense. That's fantastic. And now I've got 400 ideas floating around public companies and <laughs> gamifying people that own stock off of Robinhood or that ah, sounds like fun. All right. I asked this question of everybody that comes on the show and it is who, what 
project or person do you think is absolutely critical to DeFi, DeFi ecosystem or that is really somebody that's inspiring to you? Now, you guys are the first, first two people to answer this question prior to Andre Kranje booking on his projects a couple of weeks ago. He was about 70% of the answers prior to today. So going to be really interesting to see what you guys uh, answer, whether project or person that's really, uh, you think is important or inspiring to you in this space. What did that? Yeah. So I'd like to mention two people actually, uh, right. for different, very different reason. And I apologize guys, I'm very different centric because it's in the ecosystem we grow. The first one is Julian Cove from Ribbon Finance. Interesting. It's very interesting the way they've been at the helm of the project. And they've had complication and they've always been able to end up with huge winners of situations they should not have been winners with. For example, they got civil attack during their airdrop by one of their VCs who had insider knowledge, which was bad. And the VCs ended up having to give up his allocation, give back all the profits to the DAO he made. So it means they had no consequences whatsoever on their reputation, on their treasury, ended up with two or three million dollars more in the treasury to start the life of the DAO. That's awesome. Like, it was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in terms of crisis management. Yeah. And the other one is Liquidity Wizard from Tokim. I'm extremely impressed by it. The project is insanely good. But more than that, it's the way they've been able to generate hype and build a whole environment around their community. It's out of this world. Yeah, I think I, I love both of those choices. And, and I think you're absolutely right about how they've built that excitement and how enthusiastic that community is. That's, that's, those, are, that's are, those are great answers. The ribbon. Nobody's answered uh, ribbon, but that is a deft handling of a crisis relative to, if you look at that compared to some of the more recent crises in, in DeFi and how they were managed, uh, Wonderland and others, that, that is an awesome example to compare it to. So that's fantastic. Yeah. All right. You're up, Alejandro. You had extra time. He gave you extra time <laughs> to think about it, man. Yeah. In, in the spirit of communications, I'm going with uh, something definitely more agnostic in DeFi, but I think his memes and his videos have kept us going through these times. I'm going to nominate GabrielPains.e. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, you know what? I, I love that he doesn't, he has the attitude of not caring, not giving a damn, and he personifies the DGen. I, I personally, this is a personal thing, I, I think we maybe need some more influencers like DeFi influencers like him in the space. For more entertainment, but also to get the word out because the videos are fun. And yeah, I'm throwing him in there. Nice. I love that. I can't wait to let him know that you, that's his, definitely his first pick for, for Mission DeFi. That's fantastic. You know nice. who I like more than him though? And I have a tell this, his wife. She cracks me the hell up. I love her videos about him. She's friggin' hilarious. She's absolutely hilarious. And I'm thankful I'm not his neighbor, even though he's moved down here. I certainly don't want to live in the same building as the guy because he's a little loud, but that's a great <laughs> choice. Yeah, that's a great choice. Guys, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm, I am really excited for what you guys are building. I'm going to take a much deeper dive and I really appreciate it. I really appreciate too what your mission and what you're going to do for the space. I think you have tremendous potential. Thank you. We hope so too.